I'm going to do you a favor. Instead of forcing you to envision Joel and me playing shirtless volleyball, Top Gun style, to the tune of Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone, or even hearing Tim Sackett scamper on and off the stage serving water and cookies like a good little MC, we're just going to jump right into the conversational fray from Smash Fly's Transform 2019 conference, where we were lucky enough to score some time on stage with Julia Levy. Director of Talent Acquisition and Recruiting Ops from Fiserv, Holland Dombeck McHugh, Head of Employer Brand and Recruitment Marketing from Delta Airlines, and last but never least, Josh Zwayne, aka Jay-Z, CMO and all-round branding and marketing stud from Smashfly. Enjoy the banter. After these words from our sponsor. Sovereign is known for providing the world's best and most accurate parsing products. And now, based on that technology, comes Sovereign's artificial intelligence matching and scoring software. In fractions of a second, receive match results that provide candidates scored by fit to job, and just as importantly, the jobs fit to the candidate. Make faster and better placements. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N.com. We provide technology that thinks communicates and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. So there's an argument, and we have some video vendors in the, in the, in the audience. There's a, there's a debate between you know really expensive you know professionally made video versus just getting out the smartphone and sort of sticking in front of a recruiting or hiring manager and, and putting that online. Like, do you have any sense or anyone on the, on the panel of sort of guerrilla amateur style videos versus professional ones? Do you say that as, as you have a professional videographer right here? <laughs> There's a time and place for both, and I think our we've got a lot of that professionally produced video and photo content, and when candidates come to the site, sometimes they think our career site has stock imagery because our associate photos look so good. And so that's, I think, a challenge. And then I, I would prefer having a blended approach and being able to use some of the user-generated video content. Um, Besides what people might post on their own personal Instagrams and things like that, which we'll capture in a tint stream similar to what you were seeing on the break here, but also being able to get some of that. If I'm, if I'm a candidate, I would want to see the hiring manager and a 30-second clip of what they have to say or see what a colleague, someone else on the team would have to say. And... Um, background noise and and I think that candidates want to see that I think as a consumer that's what I would so where want to you, see. Where are you putting it? So you can put video in all kinds of places and James talked about YouTube in, in terms of the next generation like where are you where would you recommend putting videos where is it a waste of time like social media what what's effective? Are you putting videos on TikTok? 
Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like transforming in two years. We'll have a, tic- we'll have a TikTok session. Yeah. We'll have a TikTok session. Remember that. We've all seen your account, Josh. Yeah. 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 We know you're on TikTok. So how are you using how are you using video? And then Holland, are you guys using video? I, I know you are. Right now, we're we just have the produced video, and I want to experiment and use video in our uh, talent network forms, and I would love to use video. Uh, against our job postings and in emails, a recruiter saying, you know, hey, Julia, and it could be a little creepy, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, hey, Julia, I saw that you did A, B, C, and D, and I'm really interested in learning more. I'm a recruiter at Fiserv, you know, let's talk. So, so you're, you're not leveraging Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat? We do, currently. but some of it is, is in conjunction with our corporate mm-hmm. account. Okay. And so then there's a lot of, uh, partnership with the global brand team and and brand I don't want to say regulations but standards that user generated video content wouldn't align with so that's that's the big question Mm -hmm. so everybody wants and I thought I I was listening earlier to uh, IBM talk about how they have all this you know this this content it's like how do you QC that shit I mean seriously you want to be able to use this you have all this content coming in but you have to have somebody put actual eyes on it yeah, I mean, a lot of the tech vendors out there, one, if you're doing like highly produced video, to answer your earlier question, I think where that comes into play and why a lot of vendors in that space are successful, they really help you with the story arc. So if you have a particular message that you're trying to get out, like working with a producer who knows to extract that from your people. You have a purpose for that video? It's not just a video. You have a purpose, you have a storyline that you're trying to hit. Um, We used to work with this awesome vendor that used to talk about the spark line. So kind of the ups and the peaks and valleys and the message that you're trying to hit. But in terms of, you know, that quality control piece, a lot of vendors are backing into the back end. You send a message out to employee, they record video, and then you have someone who's physically like screening that on the back end before right. you post information out. Could that not be like crazy crazy overwhelming? It can be pretty like time consuming and overwhelming. I think the the crux of that is only creating content with purpose like don't just do a mass blast to your employee like hey we just bought all true and we're gonna put an article on our intranet so that all 80,000 people like create a video that's not smart use of the technology it's about being really intentional with the stories that we want to tell sending prompts to individuals having them record them and then screening that on the back end and only pushing the ones that are you know, true and hit the storyline we're trying to hit live. I think, I think like that though is like, that's the point, right? Like it's right. not, um, there's this debate of like highly produced video versus user generated video. And I actually don't think it matters because user gener- generated video can still suck. Correct. Um, so everything's that like it's automatically authentic and it, it isn't always. Um, so if there's a good story and there's a, the person who's on the video has something to say and you've thought through what the message is, then it's gonna come across very well. If you're forcing somebody to read a script, it's gonna come across scripted, even if it's you know quick and dirty, you know, authentic user-generated video. So it's like I, I just don't think it's either or. I think there's a place for both, and it can be highly produced and very authentic, um, or it can be highly produced and you know feel like it doesn't. Josh, from, your, from where you sit, uh, dis- distribution-wise, where do you typically send customers with distribution of video? Where should they definitely be, and where where might they be wasting time? From a marketer's perspective, or from what would we advise our customers? From a, I guess, marketer's perspective. Yeah. Like if, if I'm a, if I'm an employer and I say we have this great video, where should we put it? Yeah. What's your answer? 
Yeah, so I mean, it, it's obviously multi-channel, and that's like a cheap, yeah. like you know, kind of cop-out answer. But, I don't know. <laughs> it depends on like, what the essence of the video is. Yeah. If you yeah. have videos that drive top of funnel that maybe talk about brand promise, culture promise, and then you have videos that kind of come into play that more are like realistic job previews. So if someone gets attracted to your brand with video A, then they come, they look at the job opportunities you have, you want to serve up another video related to what are the intricacies of that role. Mm -hmm. And then as you go deeper down the funnel, maybe that's when you introduce the hiring manager and some of these more off the cuff videos. How involved is marketing, if at all, with the videos that you're making? Or any of the branding that yeah, you're doing? Very. Yeah, I would say very. So, um, you know, at Delta, our people are our product. What sets us apart in the consumer space is our level of service. And so our marketing team and our comms team does a really fantastic job of um, curating stories and the producing content, but bringing people like HR and talent into the fold so that we all make sure that we massage the storyline and we're hitting it from each angle of our like respective departments. It's not like a one-sided story. Um, but then, content that we own, so like day in the life, like realistic job preview content, that's fully produced by HR and talent. Okay. Is that your experience as well, Julia? Pretty, pretty similar, but I would say I've been at companies that didn't have a strong global brand team, and I've had to be really scrappy on my own and kind of own it, and then maybe talk to and reach out to people in marketing to get their feedback, even though I was doing it off the side of my desk, which I'm sure many of you here feel that way when it comes to recruitment marketing practices that you might not have the budget to do a sixty thousand dollar video and you need to be scrappy on your cell phone and i think you can um, there's products out there that can help you do it for a more reasonable cost or you can do it on your own mm -hmm. with a lot of research and some of it's trial and error mm -hmm. and piloting in smaller mm -hmm. uh, places i think just to build on that too like um, I hear you guys talk a lot about this, and I, I agree with you. We've talked a lot about how um, employer brand and, and TA should should leverage corporate brand more. But there's always this assumption that corporate brand has this big pile of cash that they're sitting on. And in a lot of these big companies, my wife works for General Motors, everything's outsourced. So they work with agencies that handle everything, and you might have a marketer that owns agency relationships. And so you know they, they kind of feed and protect and act as a filter there. But they, they don't control much of the budget. The agency actually controls the budget. So employer brand isn't going to get much of uh, the attention from the, the marketing agency managing that corporate brand, or at least it's going to be more difficult than if you have a strong corporate branding team, corporate marketing team that owns the budget and owns the execution of everything. So it, it, you know again, it's not like a, a clean, you know, easy way to divide things. Nothing ever is. No. In corporate America. So, I mean, it seems like, I mean, you guys have direct lines into marketing. Do you have a regular cadence with uh, conversations with marketing on staying on brand, purpose, all those things? Now, do you find that is entirely different than most of your peers out there? Like, they're disconnected, or do you feel like, really, HRT, they're starting to come together with marketing more? Yeah, I think you're seeing, and particularly in consumer brands, are really leading this. And a lot it's of money. it's money, and a lot of consumer brands are using their people to differentiate their product. So we're a commodity. You can fly Southwest, you can fly United, you can fly American, uh -huh. but you fly Delta because of the interiors of our cabin, because of our people. And so marketing really leverages our people stories as a means to attract people to our organization. And what that requires is them to stay really in close alignment with TA and with HR 
to make sure that they're, one, um, showcasing employees who are in good standing of the business, who are representative of the brand that we're putting out in market, um, but two, that they're speaking to our values and our truths, and you know they're not steering away too much from what we're training them and onboarding and um, you know our respective divisions. It's commercial time. Canvas is the world's first intelligent text-based interviewing platform empowering recruiters to engage, screen, and coordinate logistics via text, and so much more. We keep the human, that's you, at the center, while CanvasBot is at your side adding automation to your workflow. Canvas leverages the latest in machine learning technology and has powerful integrations that help you make the most of every minute of your day. Easily amplify your employment brand with your newest culture video, or add some personality to the mix by firing off a Bitmoji. We make compliance easy and are laser focused on recruiter success. Request a demo at gocanvas.io and in 20 minutes, we'll show you how to text at the speed of talent. That's gocanvas.io. Get ready to text at the speed of talent. It's showtime. I, d- I didn't hear you talk about actual your candidates. Mm-hmm. No question, are your customers? And if you oh, treat them badly, yes, then you're negatively impacting yes. the bottom line. Exactly. Is there a line to 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 marketing? Yeah. It, it, and so there is now, and I'm that line. That line did not exist before. So you know, you were giving me some you know some shit earlier in the lobby. Like, what is great job? <laughs> <laughs> What do you do? So if you applied for a job at Delta, you know, 15 months ago before I joined, like you were going to what more or less looked like a spam site. Um, And corporate marketing just had no idea. They weren't paying attention. You know, they have their How do they not see this? Because the career site is like the second to the homepage on the amount of traffic that a company gets. How, they're marketing. How do they yep. not know this shit? They have analytics on the site. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> they have analytics so on the they site. They have analytics yeah. on the site, but I think what happens quite a bit of the time is in, you know, Smashfly has a product for this, TMP has a product for this, mm-hmm. is the uh, Curve site is built separate of the consumer brand site. Ours is built on our .com site. It's just a simple splash page. We have, you know, plans to blow it out a little bit further. But if you're career site is disparate from your consumer site, a lot of times corporate's not picking up those metrics. They're not getting into you know, their Google dashboards or their uh, Adobe dashboards, whatever analytics platform they have. So Fiserv's, that's not the case, really? Are, are your candidates your customers or not, not really? entirely. Our customers are a lot of the banks and credit unions, so we're more business to business. Um, and <laughs> She wants them. Yeah, later. Um, we're more business to business, and I have to kind of show the value um, in partnership with the global brand team around the career site. They actually put us, um, when we were just a little like careers blip on the header or the footer, when you go to our corporate site now, we have a huge hero image around careers, which has been fantastic. And if you can get your employer to put careers front and center, um, it is one of the most highly clicked links on the main.com site. Um, and then we outsource the career site from there. But And we have regular cadences with them, but there still is some education both ways because I'm very strong-minded in my opinion around what the candidate experience should be and what the 
career site should be and what I want us to do to really push the limits and be innovative, but then they want to protect the brand image. And their disconnect is the where the brand image is to our clients and what would a client think if they saw a user-generated video? And if it wasn't the same kind of quality and polish of the content that we give to our banks and credit unions and business clients, and candidates don't want to see that heavily produced polish because then they think it's just corporate speak and someone's you know going over a script instead of what authentically Julia thinks about working at Pfizer. So how and do you so how do you message that to them and say that's not what I mean that just that doesn't work for us. It's and do they care? It. It is um, an ongoing dialogue. <laughs> so they don't care, that's what I'm getting. Well, so are they protective of, um, so they don't want it on the front end of the career site, but the user, so the reason I ask that is back to your question about how you use the video. Like I don't think that user generated video um, always has to be front and center and, and on the career site. Like it can be used, I know Colin's talking about recruiter enablement uh, tomorrow. But there's a tool that we use in sales and marketing called Vidyard and we can record personalized videos that will never go anywhere publicly, yep. but we can send them and say, hey, you know, John, nice to meet you. I can't wait to get on the demo call. I'm really looking forward to it. And here's what we're gonna talk about. Follow up after the demo. Hey, it was really great meeting you. That use case can be applied to recruiting. You know, it's, it's, it's the exact same thing to where it's not, publicly visible, it's not part of the brand, you're not exposing anything, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to worry about the polish, but it still has utility. And that's, that's the direction, so I had the kind of big splash, put it on the career site approach, and now I'm pivoting a little bit, um, and just haven't had those conversations yet, so I'm building out that plan to understand how could I, how can we use this a little differently than our initial use case, and still get a lot of value out of it, and it is, in other creative ways, so I'm still figuring that out. We heard a lot earlier about shiny object syndrome. Um, we hear a lot about AI, automation, programmatic, video, AI. social media, et cetera. Like, what, what, are the, what are the shiny objects that you guys are testing do you think have promise? And we might be talking about you know five years from now. TikTok. <laughs> All TikTok. Aside from Second Life. <laughs> So not necessarily testing it, um, we use HireVue, they're pretty embedded in our process. We get a ton of volume, I mean we're a volume shop and so we really need partners who help us do down selection. We have an IO psychologist and a PhD who helps with assessment strategy and selection strategy which really like refines our pipeline and HireVue's been a really integral part in, of that story. Um, we've actually seen more inclusive pipelines um, since we've implemented their AI solution, which has been fantastic. Um, Can you write that up for the state of Illinois? I, I know. I listened to your show the other day, and so <laughs> I, I think that's one that we're closely monitoring. Who knows, who knows about the new AI regulations? Yeah. Sentiments, yeah, facial recognition. Yeah. Yeah. You don't listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. You need to listen to the show. Yeah. I have a bigger beef with the government on that front. Like, the <laughs> fact that we have to post jobs in the first place, like, really, it. It, being a federal contractor. Being a federal contractor, yes. but it really impacts like the ability to do some of this next level marketing. So when you post a job, you have an apply cycle coming in, which really requires us to get more refined with assessments and selection versus mm -hmm. I'd prefer someone to go to a landing page and opt-in so that I can more manage a pipeline, but we just don't live in that world. Right, right. Well, I mean, it, and that's the thing is that with all of this new technology, you know it scares the shit out of obviously not just the government but the people so therefore we start to see these these regulations pop up out of nowhere and if you haven't checked it out all you should have to do is 
um, Google, you know, state of uh, Illinois, uh, interviewing AI, or listening to podcasts, another plug. But I mean, these are the things GDPR, not to mention next year, 2020, uh, California's coming out with their own GDPR. So, I mean, th these, these are things that are, are going to happen. And these are the questions that you have to get down deep. I'm sure Josh hears this a lot. Yeah. Um, are, are you dealing with this at all, Julia? What? Yeah, so um, talking about tools, and I'll tie it into yeah, the GDPR yeah, and compliance, but... Um, I like how you did that. I'm good at that. I mean, there's so nothing we, sexier than GDPR compliance. Yeah, so <laughs> I've had to deal with GDPR, and we use um, Hiring Solved. So talent rediscovery is is an area that I've been we've been involved in, and and that's been evolving. And there's several players Explain that can what help. That means. Uh, talent, talent rediscovery. So you're spending, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars investing in attracting talent to join your talent communities and your ATS. And most ATSs, I've I recruited for many years, and as a recruiter, it was very hard to see all the candidates that are in the ATS. And so you can't fish in your own pond. And so being able to view that nice talent pool of people that have already clicked apply, know your brand, were excited about your brand at some point, and if you have a good positive candidate experience, might be excited to reapply or re-engage. And so how do you, pull all of those people out of your ATS or CRM and get them re-engaged in your um, brand and your opportunities and continue that dialogue. And let me underscore, people you have already paid for. Yes. You've probably paid for them six <laughs> times over, by the way. Go ahead. And so with GDPR, we set up processes within our ATS so that we can um, remove people from the process um, after certain time periods. And that also has downstream implications into, so a report gets run and we review it and then say, okay, delete these records. But then we have downstream into SmashY around who we have to delete in all those European countries. And then also I have to then look into hiring solved and, and that's all manual on myself or colleague. And so, there's definitely a lot of work to be done around that. But when you think of AI or talent rediscovery, machine learning, you know, I wish I had that little sparkly disco ball <laughs> that could tell what the future is um, around the best tools. So, so. Josh, you see all these tools. Well, what it, are you bullish on? And well, real quick, though, you guys have you a partnership take, with, with, with Hiring Squad. No, <laughs> for Hiring Squad. With Hiring, with hiring Solved, right? Yeah. What are you saying? Are you saying a lot of what Ju Julia is talking about? They really, they, they understand we have an asset that we have allowed just to atrophy, spent hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars in our candidate database. Are, are companies starting to see that and realize that we need to go back into this database and yeah. try to harvest it? And I think it's like, a lot of times um, it's easy to blame practitioners and say like, gosh, this is so obvious, why haven't you done this? And is in it reality, it's not? No, but in reality it's- No, seriously, is it not that obvious? Well, it is obvious, but the okay. technology limits that. So, you know, okay. like if you've ever searched- Taleo search. Yeah, sucks. if you've ever yes. searched an ATS, like stab your eyes out, it's horrible. Um, and so, like to, to a certain extent, I don't blame recruiters or users of the ATS for not wanting to do that. Um, it requires a lot of time to find 
uh, I think our head of sales says separate the wheat from the chaff, which I don't know if that's like a really great analogy, but like to, to find those top tier people that you want to follow up with, an ATS is not a great tool for that. So this whole category of technology that was born out of that need is absolutely relevant. Um, I think this, this is where like, to me, this whole debate of AI is kind of, you just talk in circles. It's more about like, does it solve a problem that exists? And if it does, then it's valuable. Um, I know it's helped you guys quite a bit. Um, there are other tools out there that kind of do the same thing. But yeah, I think it's, it's one of those problems that, yeah, it's a very obvious problem. There are some companies that are very clueless about it and just are happy to keep spending money on job boards and you know keep paying to, to reattract people. But I do think it's a limitation of the technology that's been around. It just was never designed for that. I think it's a limitation of the technology, but it's also a limitation of the technology and like what other pieces of the tech have you enabled? So if you are not having like good lead qualification going into your ATS, if you're not building in like basic qualifiers or pre-qualifiers or questions that help like refine that pipeline, you're just gonna be re-engaging or like resurfacing of garbage anyway. Like so do you really want to re-engage something? Granted, you've paid for those individuals getting into your pipeline. Yeah, I mean so garbage from your standpoint is actually customers. So yeah. yeah, so I mean that's that, that's what you have to look at. I mean, I I rescind the comment of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, what I'm saying is that we need to be a little bit more stringent on the front end. If you really, yes. so we're at a marketing conference. If you're really thinking about being a marketer, like when is the last time you went and shopped technology? Like I went and I shopped in ATS last year. I filled out a white paper. I learned more about that tech. They sent me a lead qualification form. I filled out that form. I told them about one I was looking to buy, like parallel to one I'm looking to leave my job. Like what like attributes do I have as a buyer? What attributes do you have as a candidate? Yeah. And that qualified me and what I got from them was a rejection. Like we didn't fit like their buyer set, but we need to be more stringent on our side as marketers to think that way to qualify leads that are coming into our database so that we don't have disappointed customers or candidates. Well, I think just to build on that too, like there's, um, I think a lot of times candidates, even if they sometimes are aware that they're not qualified um, and they just want like very clear communication. Yeah. Outside of the spammers, there are spammers too that will just like, uh, often called the serial appliers that will just apply to jobs. I think Tom had a slide on that earlier. It's commercial time. Finding the right fit is important. When you're deciding on shoes for a long day at the trade show, when you're picking the right podcast for your commute, and most importantly, when you're looking for the right candidate. With JobAdX, you can attract more relevant, engaged candidates to your jobs by harnessing the best in ad tech targeting. From predictive industry analysis and keyword click data to premium first page placement and reducing redundant applications, our candidate targeting technology ensures that you're reaching talent that's as interested in working with you as you are with them. Now with in-ad video and multimedia, you can share your employer brand story and company culture with job seekers so they can visualize themselves in your office, all hands meeting or ax throwing team building adventure all without navigating away from your job posting. Increased engagement makes for fewer steps between job seeker and new team member. Ready to ramp up your job advertising campaigns with the best in ad tech? Visit our new website at www.jobadx.com. That's J-O-B-A-D-X.com. Attract, engage, employ with JobAdX. It's showtime. 
it's like the dating apps yeah. and that you're saying the people that you the jobs that you really don't like and you're like Ugh, you're right away saying no to that but everything else you're saying yes to and then the recruiters kind of have to weed yeah. through this huge influx of people but there's there's a way like for to your, to your point that the quote-unquote garbage it's not it's not that right it's not it's not that you mean that it's just that they're not a good fit but there's a better there's a way to disposition those people elegantly and yes. i think that's like that's one of the biggest Problems, right? Like speaking of influxes and large amounts of candidates, listeners of the show will know that chatbots are getting a ton of money uh, mm -hmm. currently. Any any anybody using those, testing yep. those, general opinion around chatbots and, and falling. Plug for Emerson. <laughs> no sales pitch. I'm going to shave my good chatbot story for tomorrow. But um, we're using chatbots in another instance. We're actually using uh, a chatbot out of an accelerator that Delta sponsors. Uh, so keeping it in the family and, and really, um, you know, investing back into these tech communities that we believe in. But what we found is that we don't have a formal employer referral process. It is on our roadmap. We do get referrals, but in terms of like recognition or rewards, it's just not built in right now. What we also have a lot of is, um, you know, I, I met this person at um, this dinner or my friend's son is looking for an opportunity. He just graduated from X university and we're getting all these messages kicked to our recruiters and what it was creating for them was an extra administrative work to screen these individuals, learn more about them. And so we actually t stood up uh, a chatbot service, we call it referral concierge, where we can reply, thank you so much, like please have them go here if they've not sat in like on our training where people can go, they can type in the candidate's information, they can type in why, the, how they met them, why they think they would be good for, for Delta, yeah. and then that's actually going to a coordinator to you know screen and like even further qualify and only send those that you know are fit and ready to engage the recruiter over to a recruiter. Gotcha. I've been watching it for a while, but I've not dipped my toe in. I think that if you're in, if you have, if you're in a high volume area. Like the first time I saw Paragon or Emerson, that I was like, oh my God, if I, my last job, I, we did a lot of high volume. I was like, this would have been perfect because these candidates could text in a couple things, go right into ATS, and then we can get them into our process um, or into a CRM and then have a workflow for a talent network form. I thought that's perfect. Um, they've evolved with interview scheduling and things like that, but for like highly technical professional roles, I don't. I get annoyed at Alexa and Siri all the time, and so I just don't feel like. And look how good they are, right? Although they have a lot more of information to go through, but I'm just not. I, I see the value and in interview scheduling. If they do it well, that could be something, at least for basic interviews. But the complexities of our business, I don't think it's there so the, yet. The SVP doesn't want to talk to a chat. Awesome. Here, here's a use case though. So I was at a conference. Um, it was a talent board workshop, I think. But uh, I can't remember her, her name. I think it was Andy was her first name. But she worked at a company called Procore. And Procore is a technology company. So like uh, I was talking to somebody, uh, or an analyst that worked at United that just built their own stuff. So they built their own chatbot, but their use case was around kind of this concierge service for um, booking travel for interviews, right? So um, they had like a landing page for candidates. So it had a map to where they needed to park and the office they were going to, um, some answers some, to some frequently asked questions, and then this chatbot that was on there where they could book travel through the chatbot. So they didn't have to go to a uh, travel booking site, but just say, hey, I'm traveling on Tuesday. Okay, well, here are four flights that are, that are within budget for you, um, the time frame that you suggest, so you pick one, went ahead and booked the flight for you, all in the back end for the candidate. So like, 
those little touches, I think, for an SVP or you know something like that, that's that's super elegant um, to where it feels like you have your personal assistant and it's actually adding value versus certain use cases where you try and fit it in there and it just doesn't work and it actually creates a worse experience in some cases. So I think sometimes understanding how you want to use the technology and what you're actually solving for yeah. versus just being like, oh my god, chatbot, let's just do it. And then it's like, uh, okay. Well, it's brain shiny. Yeah. That's totally the bright and shiny because you're not focused on a problem. Right. You're not focused on you know trying to trying to get process. Right. I mean, most of this technology we're talking about um, should be able to take out some tasks, yeah. uh, some of the mundane tasks that that recruiters have, or, or maybe even hire managers in some yeah. cases. Uh, if you're not trying to solve for something, then you're just fucking wasting time, right? Yeah. Sure. You got that around. When I first got to Pfizer uh, video interviewing, and it was, everyone's like, oh, candidate experience, video interviewing. And they wanted to apply it to our, like, Java developers, like our technology fields. And I was like, hey, what problem are you trying to solve? And they, they just candidate experience. And then I was like, do you really think a software developer is going to go through this video interview before they've even spoken to someone? So we never went down that path. But I feel it has a good place in a lot of, specific roles, but again, yeah. you need to know what problem you're trying to solve and what results you want to get from it. Mm -hmm. like Messaging, text recruiting, things yeah. like that, you guys utilizing those. Yeah. I, know, I was just going to say for HireVue too, like the, um, my wife at General Motors uses CodeView, so do you know their product? Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys have used it, but she, she said like they, the um, developers actually enjoy using it because they feel like they've gotten a fair shot mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Um, versus, no, it's when you're coding. a lot of the show about sort of the platform wars mm -hmm. and when we talked uh, IBM like all the shiny things and there's so much out there and there seems to be a battle between uh, you know big guys like LinkedIn Microsoft Google Facebook to some degree uh, we heard recently that Salesforce is going to sort of get into the work the workforce slack went public today uh, ISEMs and Jawbite are buying everyone they can to create a one platform system are you guys a, are you guys a buyer of the one platform or do you think that's a, a dead end strategy? I'm not answering that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did a big RFP last year um, looking to see, it had been several years since we looked at our tech stack, we'd added some, put some add-ons on, and we did an RFP last year, and after coming through it, I decided to stay the course, and so we've got Smashfly as um, job distribution, CRM, recruitment marketing, and email marketing. We've got TMP as the front end of our career site. Um, we've got add-ons like um, Hiring Solved and Textio, and we use LinkedIn Elevate for social advocacy. There's no one that does all of that, or at least does all of it well. Some people say they can do a lot of it, but then when you look under the covers, there's big things that are missing that are critical components to what we need to be to be successful. Mm -hmm. The challenge sometimes is around data yes. and reporting and seeing the full picture mm -hmm. and apples to apples or you know oranges and pears and yes. so that's where I struggle with that approach but it for the most part works although recruiters have a little bit of fatigue sometimes so we could have gone with a different social advocacy tool but we chose Elevate because people know LinkedIn but how many different systems do they need to know and learn and log into? And so that is the 
one of the bad sides of doing that approach. That's, yeah. that's a big question is how many platforms are they logging into because that's not efficient at all, right? right? How many browsers do they have open? Mm -hmm. How many, I mean, having to go from one page, I mean, yeah. one to the next, if that's not something that you can integrate, is it really worth your time? I would say no, and I think that we in the marketing space, we're in an interesting position in our fields. We do a little bit of brand, a lot of marketing, and then we're tech as well. Like we're rolling up our sleeves, we're sometimes programming on our own, we're building workflows, and I think we talk a lot about the relationships that we need to foster with marketing communications, but for me, my best friend right now is my HRTS team, so making sure that we have those integrations so that our point solutions talk to each other, and then making sure that we have single sign-on enabled and you know shared dashboards so that if you are using point solutions, you can access them all from a single interface. So I think you can get around some of what you're talking about. But you that's have to, internal development, though. It's totally internal development. That, that's not, how many people have in, that many internal resources for that? Two, I see. Not a yeah. <laughs> Two. I mean, that shit just doesn't exist. That's true. You're in, you're in like the utopia of all this, right? They're all looking at you going. But I would say, I, you know, I think there's two sides of the coin of that. Like, I am not, I'm not in a position to use a tool like a greenhouse, for example, where it's a simple ATS, it's a simple CRM, it's all integrated, you can build landing pages. You know, I, I think it was the woman at IBM who said that she she looks at these small companies and they're you know they're able to rewrite every job description. And she doesn't have that luxury. I mean, I would love to walk in someone's shoes where I can use a single all-encompassing solution that allows me to do that and not to have to have these deep relationships with IT. So I think there's trade-offs on both sides of the house. But you've had to do that with Textio, and you're and you're on the kind of the journey right now in actually rewriting all of those for. Yeah. So talk it's, about that a little bit. It's been an evolution in the very beginning of using text. As, if you don't know Textio, it's a natural language processing tool mm -hmm. where you can take your horrible job description. Which everybody has. Yep. <laughs> and don't you put think it that into you their don't. tool and they analyze it against millions of other job descriptions out there. And they give you a score of 0 to 100 and tell you how good or bad your job is. And, so if it's, and then they give you suggestions on how you can make it better. And it's fabulous. The challenge is some people feel comfortable writing and others say I'm a horrible writer and recruiters are busy trying to fill the wreck and when you have a really poorly written job description and you put it in and you have to spend, now Textia will tell you 10 minutes, but when you're spending 30 to 45 minutes of your time rewriting a job description to make it engaging as a job posting and attractive to candidates, um, it's frustrating because you want to just get in and get out. Mm -hmm. Now what I will say to some of the recruiters, if you're spending, we have a team of people that feel comfortable and can help, so we put that together, but we have seen the evolution. We now have uh, hundreds of job descriptions, job posts that are already in there, so the largest hurdles and pain are a little bit be behind us. So I can go in if I'm a recruiter working on a software developer role and see probably 15 other jobs that are high scoring scoring well and go in and pull that to start from. So it's almost like a job library now. And so, um, but what they also added was recruiting e emails. So that first email as a recruiter that you send to someone to try and get them interested and get their attention, they now are giving you scores on that. 
and we've seen um, from our recruiting and sourcing team that they've gotten higher response rates after using Textio than they did using before, and they're integrated now with Outlook and with LinkedIn. So that's where you're going to be creating those first emails. Um, we also we've, we analyzed our data from the year before we used Textio to the first year in, and then they've taken a lot of those key learnings and put them back into, so your candidates respond better when you use this kind of language. And this kind of language responds, um, men you know, appreciate these wordings, women appreciate these words and phrases. They can look for yeah, more gender specific. love bullet points, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and so it's really speaking. helped us remove some gender bias, and it helps us know what words and language speed up the process and what words and language speed down, so, slow so down the process. Yeah, use like Grow and Ninja. And yeah. Grow and yeah. Ninja. The word, the word collaborate, which I would think, like, we're a really collaborative environment. Um, that word slows down the process by three days. Huh. Who knew? Wow. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, of job postings, there's been a lot of disruption in that space uh, in the last couple of years. So. Google for Jobs launched a couple years ago. Uh, Indeed, of course, uh, has decided not to participate in Google for Jobs. We have programmatic uh, rising in popularity. Where do you guys sit on the, the job posting spectrum and what do you see in the future? In terms of like the actual, like, like Google for Jobs and Google is becoming a search engine or a place, a destination for people to start their search? So, okay, so I want to post a job. What recommendation would you give to somebody to get like is programmatic the best solution? Um, is Indeed only okay for most companies? I feel like we're going to get a multi-channel answer. Probably. <laughs> Multi-channel <laughs> experience. <laughs> no, I think it's, um, well, I mean, yeah. you guys can probably speak, but it probably depends on what you're hiring for. Yeah, it depends on what you're hiring for. And I think I said a, a tweet the other day that I know that you were like, oh, we'll talk about it, but programmatic is becoming um, post and pray 2.0. And I meant that, that. So I meant it more in the context. She's trying. That, so you started. You started a bit about the Twitter. I think I did. I got some traction, but I think programmatic is a fantastic solution. So historically, people have been married to these lengthy contracts. Like yeah. back in the day, you were married to Monster and Builder. As Indeed came on board, you you know got away from the contract model, but you were in insertion orders, and you kind of got hooked on mm -hmm. the value that they were bringing it's, to the top yeah. of your funnel. And now we're seeing this like paradigm shift where programmatic is coming in and it's disrupting all of that in tandem to Google. So it allows you to have freedom and flexibility over time. Programmatic vendors, when set up correctly, learns uh, what performs for you based on the different uh, profiles you're sending out. It also lets you um, like A-B test different. So why is it posting free? It sounds great. So, so what I'm saying is, so I can't wait. what I'm seeing happen though is yeah. in, in a lot of these conversations around programmatic is you invest in programmatic, you're able to reduce costs by this. You're able to you know, cut your contract spend by this, but they're not talking about the full circle. Yes, you're able to get more refined in terms of bringing people to your brand, but you shouldn't preach that to your leadership in that way. You should position taking those dollars and using them on storytelling or re-engagement or you know rediscovery technology so what i'm saying is that people are only hanging their hat on programmatic because it's delivering results but it's only one piece of the earned owned and paid puzzle nice we started doing programmatic and moved away from um, a lot of the we still are posting jobs on linkedin but um 
Blastor, Indeed, Monster Sponsored, like all that kind of stuff. We've moved towards programmatic and have a bucket and we meet with the vendor pretty regularly to review and just make sure that it's... Do either of you have job board contracts currently? No. Well, I have an, a LinkedIn contract. Okay. Yeah. It's, so, how do you want to frame LinkedIn? So we got, <laughs> yes. like, this is a job board. We have like a minute 45 because this thing's yelling at us. Um, so, but I want to ask a question. The like, beer's just, in the way. I know, just to wrap up. But like, <laughs> so what happens when Google turns on, uh, when they, within the Google for Jobs widget, when you can advertise there? Like, how does that blow up everything? And what happens when job seeker behavior changes to where like Indeed wants to be a destination and they're spending a ton of branding and marketing dollars on being a destination. But I don't know that you're gonna change user behavior. People I, are programmed to Google. And by the way, Google just launched uh, tracking for your job, your jobs on Google for Jobs. So it's, it's a hop, skip, and a jump between that yeah. and okay, give us your credit card and yeah. boost these certain jobs. And a lot of the programmatic success is still on, it's still in Indeed, yeah. it's still in Glassdoor because of what you just described. Yeah. They're pumping lots of dollars into the marketplace to tell candidates to look on their site. And we should reap the reward of that still. And programmatic is still capitalizing on that. I mean, that's where a lot of, you shared the AppCast report. I mean, their data is showing it. It's still indeed in Glassdoor. So we're not moving away in full. I just think we're seeing this evolution of kind of. Do you feel like it's sustainable though? I mean, because indeed, how much of indeed's traffic was on the, uh, the Google side of the house? And look, and, ten years ago, you would have you could have replaced that with Monster and Career Builder, yeah. right? Yeah. So ten years from now, will it still be indeed in last five? I, mean, I wouldn't say I probably think five. So. Yeah. So I don't think it's any accident that Indeed is getting mm -hmm. into a lot of different things to put its put certain bets on, you know, the platform for gig workers yeah. and you know, yep. staffing and yep. a lot of other things because mm -hmm. they're aware of that. Yeah. I think we just ended right is on it? time. Yeah. You got a broom, man? You got a? I got one last question. Okay. How fast can you get your asses off the stage? It <laughs> <laughs> depends on how long it takes me to get that beer. And cheese, Holland, Julia, Jay Z. Give them a hand. Awesome stuff. Thank you, guys. Hi, I'm Emma. Thanks for listening to my dad, the Chad, and his buddy Cheese. This has been the Chad and Cheese podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Be sure to check out our sponsors because their money goes to my college fund. For more, visit chadcheese.com. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.